Welcome to the Minnesota Hockey Podcast. The goal of our pods is to give our followers a taste of how great the game of hockey is here in Minnesota. Speaking of great, check out the Minnesotan, a cool and authentic apparel concept, which is a one-of-a-kind and 100% unique to the marketplace. You can visit their flagship store seven days a week in historic downtown White Bear Lake or on the web at theminnesotan.com. On today's show, we have Bob Evers here from St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Bob uh, has uh, been a player in St. Louis Park, a coach in St. Louis Park, and the Zamboni driver at the St. Louis Park Rec Center. We're going to dig into all three facets of Bob's life in the hockey world. Hope you enjoy today's show. Love is a burning thing. And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire Well, good afternoon, Mr. Evers. I've screwed the podcast up already, so at this point we're nothing but good news, right? It's Evers, not Evers. Correct, and thank you. Uh, we will uh, have a good time here today. Uh, we spent, uh, just so you know, listeners, we spent at least two hours uh, poking and prodding through your personal life, hockey life, all the way down to your region loss down in Faribault to, uh, uh, what would it be, Rosemount in the region play-it game. So we went from the beginning, uh, humble beginnings in St. Louis Park, and now you're still living a block away from where you grew up in St. Louis Park. Um, let's get right to it, Bob. Um, you grew up in St. Louis Park. How did you get in touch with hockey? How did, how did hockey find you, or how did you find hockey? Uh, my uh, two uncles on my mom's side both played. And uh, they uh, they got me going, just taking me down to the park, playing in the house, down in the driveway. And you're the oldest Evers that played the game. You have an older brother, Kenny, that didn't play, correct? Correct. Um, and then two younger brothers, Jake, who I know. Is there another one? And then Chad's the, the official in hockey. So hockey's, like, Kenny's kind of the outcast. Like, the three of you guys are hockey through and through, right? Correct. Yep. Um, so you, you played a little park hockey, and so you had to be the first one to play traveling hockey, then, right? So you kind of set the tone that you were going to go out and make a make a make a big deal out of this. Walk through your first uh, hockey team's hockey experience as a youth. Uh, well, I just remember playing, you know, the mites with the buddies, and uh, and then moving up. When I moved up to squirts, I ended up making the squirt A team. As a first year, yeah, as a first year, I, I I couldn't believe it. Didn't realize what I had done. Yeah, uh, we only we had small teams back then. We only had like ten kids and a goalie. Yeah, yeah, and I remember my parents um, actually took a cruise uh, that year, and I ended up scoring my first hat trick when they were gone. <laughs> nice, nice. They were the bad luck charm. Then, yeah, apparently, right. right? So um, you walk through your youth years. Um, you guys had some success at St. Louis Park uh, growing up. Uh, what are your greatest memories of being a youth hockey player? And obviously you're coaching youth hockey for the last umpteen years. We'll get to that later on in the segment. There had to have been something that really charged your batteries there with youth hockey. What are some of those things that, that did it for you to make you want to come back and coach now? Uh, just, you know, giving back to the kids. Um, seeing the coaches that we had, what they provided for us, right, 
And then, you know, some of the memories is just hanging out with the guys, you know, doing those out-of-town trips up to Bemidji, you know, taking that coach bus up, you know. Yeah. Uh, you said to me before the show that you guys uh, played in the Southwest Tournament over at Augsburg, and I tell people about this tournament. Uh, it was because we, I, I, as I said to you, uh, I played against Sean Podine in that tournament, and it was just a, there was a lot of electricity. It was like right in the middle of the city over at Augsburg College. What were your memories of playing over at Augsburg? It was just a bustling place. Yeah, um, I just remember just playing and having fun. Uh, I, we ended up, I think. I, uh, one of my squirt years, we ended up playing Edina, and I think we actually beat them. I, I couldn't believe it. it. It was just, you know, the the post thing. Even today, you you coaching these things. The post something about post Thanksgiving when when grandma and grandpa are there, the uncles are in town. For me, my brothers were back from college and they were watching me play. There was just something special when there was a lot more people in the building and it was a holiday time. You didn't have to worry about going to school the next day. Uh, what are your memories of uh, just the, those those times with, with, with the bigger crowds at the youth? Yeah, no, it was, it was awesome. You know, all, like you said, grandmas and grandpas are coming and aunts and uncles, you know, cousins. Yeah. So, you know, it was a good time. It was a really, uh, it was a really fun time. Um, so walk me through at, at the high school level. You didn't play high school hockey until 11th grade. Uh, were you avoiding Coach Quinn, or was it there's something special about playing midgets? Because Coach Bill Quinn was quite the imposing pumpkin, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah that might have had something to do with it. But uh, I uh, had the opportunity to play for a guy named Casey Van Dam in 10th grade, so... I figured that would uh, help me come high school down the road. So who is Casey Van Dam? Uh, Remind our listeners who he might have been. Uh, He was a, uh, I think he was from up in Superior, Wisconsin, kind of a living legend up there. Yeah. Um, He played uh, a few uh, pro games for the Chicago Blackhawks. And how did he get involved with coaching and coaching midgets in St. Louis Park? That seems like a, a, a quite of a left turn or a right turn in some cases. They, I think they actually just bought a townhouse in Park and, you know, just through meeting people that found out who he was and just offered the coach. Okay, so you played the, the midget years. Uh, what was midget hockey? I played a little bit of midget hockey too. What was midget hockey like to you? Because it's, it's not high school. And right. It's not bantam. So there's, right. there's, there were guys literally. I was in ninth grade. There were literally guys driving themselves to the game, right. and I was like, I barely hit puberty. Right. I was a younger guy, right? So it was a, there's a big, big cast of characters on a midget team. Yeah, I remember it. It was a midget B. Yeah, and I remember it was just more like an extension of bantams. I mean, it wasn't. I didn't think it was that bad. You know, where the the age discrepancy was that bad. I just. Well, yeah, if you were 5'2", 120 like I was, I remember the age discrepancy. There were guys showering after the games, and I was like, I'm not shy. I barely even sweat during that game. You know, there was a, there were men on these teams in, in my recollection of midgets. And I remember the hockey really wasn't that good. It was super physical. Like people yeah. wanted to hit more than they wanted to play. Yeah. Um, I guess I didn't get hit much for whatever reason. Uh, yeah. So I, I guess I don't remember that. It's not like uh, kind of like the junior gold. No, it was not junior goal, but it was pretty darn close right. to junior goal. Right. Um, so you you get to the, the 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 high school level. 
walk through what Bill Quinn meant to St. Louis Park Hockey. Because I remember being in, in, in the rec center a few times thinking, man, that guy is huge. And he was imposing. Like, uh, was that your memory of him too? Yeah, he was kind of intimidating. I just, I don't have too many memories because I only played one year for him. Yeah. So it's, I don't have too many memories of him. Okay. Um, as a youth, though, you must have known who he was going to St. Louis Park High School games, right? You knew who he was when he was in the rink. And honestly, I didn't because with our schedules uh, growing up in youth hockey, we didn't attend too many high school games. Okay. Yeah, it was just part of our life. Was the Part of our fabric was to go to the high school yeah. games whenever we possibly could. Yeah. Um, okay, so you get to high school hockey. Uh, your senior year is a pretty uh, fruitful one for you and your buddies who are playing. Um being tiny little St. Louis Park, it must have felt kind of cool to beat uh, Edina your senior year. Walk through that game, your memories. Is it at your barn or is it over at Braemar? It was in ours. It was at the rec center. Um, I I remember we had uh, we had a couple sophomores on the team, and actually one of them had uh, Jason Sandberg actually netted two goals for us. He was a sophomore. And a sophomore. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and uh, it. Uh, the other thing that I remember mostly about it was um, we're up 4-3 with under two minutes to go, and my brother was one of the other sophomores. On Who's going to be listening to this, by the way, yeah. so you just threw him under the bus, which it. I love to hear, by the way. All right. um, under two minutes to go, he gets called for a penalty. I don't know if it was a trip or a hook. Was it a bad call or a good call? <laughs> Probably a good call. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we got to kill this off against, you know, one of the top teams. They won the state yeah, this year. Just won. for everybody who hasn't checked the records, yeah. 1988 is the year you graduate high school. They end up being the eight. That was their eighth state title. I remember the the chant, eight and 88. So yeah. they and, did. You know, with their power play that they had, with the, who they threw out, you know, it was, it was a tall task, and we uh, managed to get through it. I did. I played against uh, Willard Eichla, and you, you know you grew up watching the state high hockey tournament. You see Willard Eichla. Was it weird uh, playing against Edina? For me, it was just weird because it was like they were almost like famous when I played against Edina. And you look over, and I mean, I didn't disregard who we were playing against. And then you look over on the bench, and there was he's actually right there. He's right. an actual human being. It right. was it's kind of a weird thing, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it just seeing him on the bench. Yeah. He almost intimidated you. Yeah, it did. It did. And you guys beat him. That's uh, hats off to you. You also beat uh, Minnetonka that year, too. Yeah. Killed him. Uh, walk through what that was like. I'm sure you had some buddies that you grew up with or played against or uh, in that era. What was that like beating those guys? Through? I bet they were in your same district, weren't they? Yeah, we were district in District 5, right? Uh, no, youth and youth. No, they were District 6 then. They were 6, okay. So we didn't play really Diana growing up or... Minnetonka until high school. Yeah, okay. But see, we played, I grew up in Minneapolis, we would play Osseo, St. Louis Park, Minnetonka. I'm much older than you are, so there was like District 5. we get to the playoffs against those guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a kid that uh, we had grown up with that had moved out to Minnetonka. He was on the team. And um, I re actually remember our schedule we had was an 8 o'clock game over at their place at the uh, Minnetonka Ice Arena. Right. And actually, like, uh, Dave Reno was actually on the phone with Adam Lurie, who had moved to Minnetonka, and they were chatting about the day and the game. And Adam's like, well, I guess I'll see you in a couple hours. And, 
And Dave's like, well, what do you mean? We got an 8 o'clock game. And he goes, no, we got a, we got a 4 o'clock game. I was what? Actually, yeah, I was actually working at a grocery store in Knollwood. And my mom called me and said, your game's at like 4 o'clock. You got to get home. Not 8. Yeah, so we scrambled. We scrambled to get to the rink, get the bus, and get to the rink for the game. So he doesn't tell Lori doesn't tell you that it's a forfeit or some right. weird reschedule right. or something. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. I never heard that one before. Yeah. That that's a good one. Uh, your high school career ends uh, at the Met Center, correct? Correct. Um, I like I like throwing that out to our younger audience. Uh, this is where the North Stars plays be the equivalent of playing a section playoff game. At the XL Energy Center, and they're like, "Really?" I'm like, "Yeah." There was that many people would would attend games. They would open up the Met yeah. Center for for quarterfinals. Not probably not as big of attendance for quarterfinals as those semifinal Saturdays or the or the section championships on Saturdays and the semis. Yeah, I need to correct you there. That was actually my junior junior year, year was yeah. Met Center. Yep. Okay, right. And then uh, at senior year, I think we uh, ended up losing at Eden Prairie. Okay. All right. It didn't. I don't have that written down here, but yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So high school ends, um, but your passion for the game doesn't die. Um, a year or so later, you get a chance to play. We'll call it air quotes junior hockey. The name of the team was the West Suburban Junior Kodiaks, right? Correct. How many teams did you play against? Uh, there, I think we had uh, the Tri Metro Junior Whalers, North Suburban Junior Hawks. And then uh, Duluth had a team come in the same year. I think they were called the Northland Voyagers. Okay. So I think there was a four-team league. And how many games did you play? Well, we played quite a bit. We played uh, – I remember going down on Halloween, going down and playing the Waterloo Blackhawks. Really? Yeah. And I don't remember too much about the game, but <laughs> – So it was – so it was th- this Junior B was what kind of what – Sort of turned into the uh, Minnesota Junior Hockey League and maybe subsequently the USHL, yeah. right? Yeah, I think the USHL was there. Yeah. So it just, I think it transformed into maybe the, I don't know when the NA came in. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't either, really. Um, so you had this junior hockey experience. You had a coach. Did you pay to play or was it for yeah, free? You, we paid. You, you paid to yeah, play. Yeah. Uh, how many times a week did you practice? Oh, maybe a couple. Yeah? Yeah, and actually the state tournament that year was at St. Louis Park. Really? Yeah. And how did your team do? Uh, we actually won that state tournament, and so that gave us a, a bid to the national tournament, and I think the Northland Voyagers won the league, so they got a bid. So we actually drove up to Duluth, boarded a charter bus with their squad. No way. And drove to Troy, Michigan for the national tournament. We shared a bus. No way. With the Did you become friends or was it yeah, awkward? There was some, it was a little awkward at first, but on the way home, I think it loosened up. And you never played them in this tournament, did you? No. You may have in the championship had you both made it right. kind of thing. And they actually won that year. So I bet they had a really festive drive home, and you guys were like a little bummed out, biting your tongue. Yeah. All right. So all the while you're doing, uh, playing this at your post high school career, um, you you're working at a grocery store, and who's working at the grocery store with you? My uh, B 
beautiful wife. Yeah, all right. So, and, and somehow, eventually, you got her, to, you convinced her to go out with you. Did it Did it take much, or was it just kind of a, a accidental thing? Well, it was, uh, funny thing was, is she was actually supposed to go out on a date with this guy. And I'm like, you can do better than that. So, she was expecting a phone call from him, and I kind of hung up on him. Right. So, right. she's like, well, now you got to take me out. Yeah. So... And the rest is history. You this is it. like 1990-ish, right? 1991, right? 90, yeah. So you've been with this woman for 30 years, uh, raised a family, uh, three kids. Uh, I got to get this right now. Brandy, Britt, and Brenda, uh, Brandon. Brandon. Sorry, I can't read my own writing here. Yeah. Um, uh, and Britt is the one who coached with you this peewee, this past peewee season, a few five or six years, and uh, we'll get we'll get to your coaching career with with your kids too. It's a pretty cool story actually. And this year I think it's even cooler because your brother was there. It's kind of a family affair. We'll get there in a little bit. Um, so after this, you're you're raising a family and you you get a job out in uh, Lionel Lakes, right? Yeah, circle, Is that where it was? Cir- circle Pines. Pines. I get those two cities mixed up. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Your wife gets a job there too, and you work there for a good ten years, ten right? Ten years. Yeah. Um, in in basically. In a manufacturing company, right? Correct. I started out as a press operator in a plastics injection molding company and then worked my way up to material handling, which was moving finished product. Yep. Uh, preparing raw material um, and all uh, helping out when people needed And then breaks. you got an office job, too. Yep. And I got an office job uh, doing the quoting and estimating. And the reason we're giving all this here is just to give you some uh, landscape of where you came from. And then somewhere right around 9-11, Economic Times hit your company, like a lot of different companies, right around 9-11. And the whole whole economy was kind of... uh, uh, went down the tubes a little bit there. Um, you would need to pick up, your wife took a pay cut, you pick, took a pay cut, and you need to pick up some extra hours. And what this is how you become the Zamboni you driver. You got it. I uh, went to the rink and I got myself a part-time job to kind of make up, make the make ends meet. And uh, I was there uh, for like two months, three months, working part-time. And the rest uh, is history, right? Well, the, uh, then, then a full-time position opened up, and I applied, and I ended up getting it. So if I got the years right here, um, uh, by this time, you have three kids. You need to make ends meet. So you're trying to – you get the second job to make ends meet. Um, but let's get to the, the, the crux of it here. Why the rink? Why not a grocery store? Why not a you know, pizza delivery job? Why the rink was the place that you ended up going? That's where I grew up. So gotta, it was. I gotta that, go to the ring. That's the only thing you could think of, yeah. or was that the that your number one choice? Well, that, I just went over there, and you know, and thought, you guys hiring? Yeah, we're actually looking for somebody part time. At this point, did you know anybody at the rec center? Yeah, because you know most of them are still were still there when I was playing driving. Okay, yeah. So it's only a, f- it's but it's still thirteen years yeah. removed. Okay, yeah. so um, at this point, um, you get the job part time, and then it turns into full time. Um, now you're a rink guy. Did you think that this was going to be the job that you were going to have the next twenty years when you took it? Yeah, I did actually. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not. To be honest, I'm. Kind of shy. I'm not very good in the interview situation. Oh, you're doing great so far. So you still got about 40 minutes to screw know, it up, but right? so far so good. All right. So that was 
that was the reason I knew it. And then once he got into it, it just it's just a love I fell in with, uh, into with. Okay. Well, we're going to get to that building in a second because it's not your standard ice garden, right? It's not right. your standard rink. You have a lot of moving parts at that building. We'll get to that in just a little bit. So you go on to work there for 20 years. Um, I want to just give a quick overview of your family right now. You have, like we talked about, uh, Kenny. Uh, you, have a, uh, you have a brother, uh, Chad, who's a referee, yep. right? In a prof- Is that his profession? He's more like a stay-home dad, but yeah, he uh, he does probably maybe a dozen if he's lucky. Uh, he lines for the uh, the Isle Wild, so down okay. in what down in Des Moines. Des Moines, and he lives down there. Yeah, yeah. And he also does USHL probably too. He used to. He used to. Okay, so he's done it all as yep. far everything except an NHL game. He's officiated, right. correct? That's College. pretty. It's pretty high level yep. uh, official. Okay, uh, and then uh, your youngest brother Jake uh, is now. Uh, I like to say this word: assistant coach of yours uh, over at St. Louis Park. Is he going to follow you to the squirt program, or is he going to take on his own role? Um, he'll probably coach where his youngest son. Okay. It will be a first year squirt. So okay. he's probably gonna fall where he falls. Okay, in the in the trial process. Right. No no favoritism to your nephew, huh? You got it. No, no favoritism at all. Okay, because nope. you're going to back gonna go back and coach squirts this year, correct? Correct. Okay. Uh we'll get to a little bit more of your coaching a little bit later. So you, you got a family. You grew up uh in, in St. Louis Park and you haven't literally left St. Louis Park correct. once. Correct. That's- and you live how far from your parents' house that you grew up in? Uh, just a block over, so it's what a hundred <laughs> yards. Well, at the at the at this sound, it sounds kind of goofy now, but it's actually worked out pretty well raising three kids because they were also a pretty good daycare provider for you too, right? Exactly. So when my wife and I were working up in Circle Pines, we weren't home until six o'clock, five thirty, six o'clock. So kids got off the bus, they went to grandma and grandpa's till we got home. That's a pretty good deal. That's a pretty good, uh, pretty good deal there. All right, so we we walked through this. Um, Brandy's now playing hockey by 1993, uh, and you start coaching. But it's not the first time that you coached. You were involved in like uh, mites and peewees and stuff like that when you were in high school. One of the guys that played for you, or a guy that you were involved with coaching, is well, let's just. Get it, put it on the table, is probably the best hockey player ever to come out of the city of St. Louis Park, Eric Rasmussen. What do you remember about Raz when he was, I'm guessing just based on what he was like in high school, he was probably bigger than everybody, more skilled than everybody, and impossible to stop. Uh, for the most part, correct, um, except he was the smallest kid on the ice. No way. Yep. So he had a growth spurt. Yeah, he, uh, he, he could go into the corner with three guys, and he'd be the one coming out with the puck. Really, a little bit, maybe like not as small as Junior Podine. Yeah, maybe similar in size. Really, maybe a little bigger. Really, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll get to. Well, I'm sure we'll get to at, at some point. Junior Podine will come up in the conversation here. We'll get to him a little bit later. So, so you got a chance to coach Rez. What was he like as a as a kid? Uh, I know him now as an adult, and he right. seems like he's he's Charles in charge over at Map Cell. So, I want to know what was he like? Was he a leader? Was he? Uh, yeah, he was a leader. He. Yeah, just a normal kid, you know, listened, studied the game, you know, came up with ideas if he had them. Did you strike you as a kid that would be in the NHL someday? Honestly, I had no idea. Probably not coming from St. Louis Park. (laughs) Honestly, I didn't. It would never happen, right? right? 
right? He well, he's the first, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so you thought maybe a college player? Yeah. Was he a gifted player? Was he better than when he, yes. when they played against Edina or they played against St. Louis Park or played against Minnetonka types of teams? Was he dominant? Yeah, he okay. he carried play. Okay, and he made everybody around him better. Does he also strikes me as the kind of guy that that hockey just probably was his fuel. So anytime he could get on the ice, he was getting on the ice, and it made him who he was at that point. Yep, I believe that. All right. Uh, so now, uh, fast forward. Um, you're married, um, and you, Brandy's starting to play hockey. Um, what is your role? Walk through your role as a coach of children of your own children and other kids. Uh, just being there for him. Um, uh, I was an assistant on the on the Mike teams when she was growing up, so just it wasn't just focused on your kid. Right. He had, you know, so it, it pretty much let her go that way. I go to this group. Right. And uh, just make sure they're getting the right instruction. Just like we were talking about with uh, Eric Rasmussen, were you alive? Were you more alive when you were on the ice coaching? Did you really enjoy it? Was it? Did you thrive on it, or was it like, hey, I know I can? Some guys are out there because they just know they can do a better job than than the other fourteen parents. Right. Um, honestly, I was still fairly young, so I was just laid back and watching and picking up things, learning, learning. Right? Yeah. Okay. So I was. More, like I am now, I'm more quiet. The more the more I get to know somebody, the more I open up. Yep. So I just basically would sit and learn and watch. Okay. Um, after a few years, she makes it all the way. She played boys all the way through Pee Wee's, correct? Yep. So did you coach those teams growing up? All I did. the way up? Two years of squirts, and then actually she played one year of Pee Wee's. And, yeah, and then her seventh grade year, she played high school. She went right to high school. Okay. Um what was it like having a girl on the boys' team and being the dad? It was, was did she hold her own, or did, did, how did she do uh, emotionally too with having boys on the team? Uh, she did very well. She was one of the guys, actually. Yeah, um, I remember we were up in Duluth for a tournament, and uh, I think we were playing maybe East Grand Forks. You know, it was a pee wee game. And they had a kid that maybe then was six one, six two, just towered over everybody. Yeah. And he started the game, and I put her out there, and I said, "All right, you go get him first. Yeah, you take care of him. And this was back when they were checking. Yep. And she went and hit him right away, and everybody else on the team kind of loosened up because they were nervous on how big this kid was. Yeah. So she would. She played physical. I've got some pictures I could show you. When she was in high school, I mean, she was a brute. She yeah. didn't take she didn't take crap from nobody. Yeah, and uh, the I think the next game we ended up playing. Uh, it might have been Spring Lake Park. They had a girl on their team too, and I think she hit her into their bench. And their parents were so irate that they were screaming, "Would somebody just hit her?" Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 an odd thing uh, when you talk about girls and hitting. And I, I was interviewing Karen by Dietz, and they were they when she was playing with boys, and they were like, "Hit her, yeah. hit her!" I'm like, "Why? 
why is it all of a sudden legal or, or the, a, a vogue thing to hit a, a girl hockey player? But right. it's definitely an interesting dynamic that, ha- you know, it, it kind of goes back to being in the rink and you, you kind of become a different person sometimes. You start saying things like, how did I just, what, why did I just say that? I wouldn't right. normally say that if unless there was a, a game being played, it's, right? the spirit of competition i guess <laughs> takes over doesn't it yep. it definitely does okay uh your middle child brit you coached her as well right she right. was a goalie how did how did we get a goalie out of this thing where where did the goalie thing come out because brandon was also a goalie too yeah it uh where it did actually, this thing happen it started when brit was like a second third year might um they uh, they were i think they were going to host a u12 a team and they didn't have a goalie but they ended up getting one, so one of the coaches actually asked if Britt would be interested in playing, and her eyes just She's lit like eight up. years old? Yeah. Okay. Nine, I think a nine. Okay. And her eyes just lit up, and she wanted to do it. So they ended up finding a goalie for the year. So she was playing mites, and we just let her play goalie whenever the opportunity arose during the practices. And then the following year, she came out and played. Uh, we played U12B. We had 10 kids, small team. And she's a squirt-age player? Yeah. Okay, yep. all yep. right. So she played U12B one year, and then uh, the following two years, she played uh, U12A with um, the girls. And so uh, the following year, she could have went and played Bantams or U15. Right. right. And she, uh, the goalie coach at the time, Told her you should uh, go try out for the Bantams, and she ended up making the Bantam A team. So she played two years of Bantam A's after coming off of uh, two seasons of U12A hockey with the girls. So your experience here with your your two daughters so far is pretty vast, where they're playing high-level hockey, intense, and it doesn't change much with Brandon. Brandon played... Uh, he was a goaltender as well. Did, did he was he following in in sister's footsteps because that's what he saw, or was it, what, what was about Brandon that got him excited about being in the Nets? He just loved it. He uh, he just I think he saw Britt doing it, and just he that was his thing. He wanted to be a goalie. And you didn't play goalie. No. And neither, didn't your brothers play goalie? No, uh, they were defensemen. So this is all foreign to you oh, yeah. in a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, I loved it. And, you know, Mama mama didn't have a heart for it. She didn't, huh? No, she couldn't take it when games were tight. Um, she leaves the rink kind of thing? Yeah, I, this was both kids um, in district tournament. Britt was in a U-12 district tournament. It went into overtime in the shootout. She had to leave the rink. We ended up winning. So, like, the next year, Brandon's playing Pee B one We're in the region tournament, and we're playing Egan. And we go into five overtimes. She leaves the building because she can't she handle it. She can't handle it? Yeah, she can't handle it. And the way but Brandon now, wait is, a second here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take a shot at your wife now. Now, didn't you, one of her, wasn't her presence that you would give her every year? Was it Ed Balfour picture? She loves So she Eddie. likes goalies, yeah. but not when it's her own in the net under pressure, exactly. right? Exactly. So she we got does. her. We got yeah. zinged her today, too, didn't we? You got it. Yep. <laughs> okay, so she was a hockey freak, too, right? So she loved the game yeah. before that. So that was, that was a pretty good marriage there. Um, so... Walk me through Brandon's career. Brandon played uh, all the way through 
Um, he must have had some because he's like a 95, 95. So he must have had some great players that he played with in the offseason. Who were some of those kids that he played with? Yeah, he uh, he played with um, Hudson Fashing. That age, yeah. yeah Luke Snuggerud, um, Michael Brodzinski, Ian McCosh, and um, I think of that 95 breakaway team, I think that year 11 of those kids ended up playing D1 hockey. And this would have been uh, Dave Snugger would have been the coach, correct? Correct. Um, what was he like as a coach 15 years ago? What was that like? Because I know what he's like now as a coach. He probably hasn't changed much. No, I'm curious. I want to hear uh, what you say about Dave. I love Dave. Dave, I've learned a lot from Dave just on how he acts. Um, he was pretty mellow, but he would get on the kids when needed. He was he wasn't there to make this super team that won tournaments. He was there. His goal was to get as many of those kids to the next level. That was his goal. Right. So he didn't really care about systems when we were playing games. He still doesn't. Right. Because I remember we were up in up in Duluth for the Lake Superior Stars tournament. And he all brought us all the parents into the into the locker room and had a little chat with us because he's gonna like, all right, here's the situation. These guys are gonna have their wingers lock up on our wingers. They're not gonna learn anything. So I don't care if we win or lose. Right. This so. is this sounds this is this is Dave Snuggerud to a T. Not much has changed. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget. Uh, they're I would say they're their business partners. Probably best friends, if not close to best friends, he and Annie Brink. And I was on the bench with both of them coaching in a tournament. And I remember Annie saying to me between periods, he goes, I don't know if I can do this much longer. He goes, I'm like, why? He goes, I don't think Dave really wants to win, and I want to win. And we get in order for us to win, we have to counter whatever the win, you know, the wings locking up or right. whatever, whatever strategy the team was doing, he would want to counter the strategy. And Dave was like, well, I don't really care about the strategy. I want these kids to become better hockey players, better young men, and exactly. everything else will take care of itself. So I'm glad that not much has changed uh, from when he coached your son and, and to today, and I'm not surprised by it at all. Um, okay, so now after – you let the uh, the birds out of the nest. You get a chance to kind of coach, be a non-parent coach. What was that transition like to being versus being having a kid on the team to now for the last uh, about seven, eight years, nine years? You've 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 gone solo and, and coached um, some hockey on your own. What that what's that transition been like? It was kind of weird at first, you know, because you're so used to coaching your kids, and now you're coaching with them. Yeah, well, so, that too. Well, right. that's another cool part is Brandon was on the staff, and yep. so was Britt, right? Correct. We started, I think, in 2013 with a uh, the Bantam B2s at St. Louis Park. So just for the record here now, you've coached PBAA and Squared A now for a few years, but you weren't a, you weren't averse to coaching any type of kid. It was like Bantam B2, who cares? Just right. give me some kids to coach, right? Right, yeah. So basically, my my goal is when I'm doing this is teach the kids some hockey skills, some life lessons, and lasting memories. That's my ultimate goal. If they can walk away with those three things, then I did my job. Now, 
you've done a really i've i've known you for four years and with, with this group of squirts that you had now through the the, the peewee group you do a real nice job of a coaching b giving them them a leash you know to, to learn the game themselves you don't seem to be over coaching them is that a philosophy that you have and if it is walk me through that yeah it actually changed because when i was younger i was more like the barker yeah, hands-on. Yeah, and, you know, from the bench barking. And I kind of still do it now. It's just in me. But yeah. I'm trying to do it less and let the kids play and then correct them when they get back to the bench. Because I found out when I was within these last seven years, you know, when a kid's skating down the rink and you say, Elliot, what are you, rink wide? You know, what's, <laughs> what's a kid going to do when he hears his name? He's going to look at you. Yeah, he heard his name. He's gonna look to see where it came from. So I I've learned to let the kids play and just correct it when they come back. Well, I'm glad you used the word Elliot. You chose all the names you could pick. Chose Elliot. This is one of the kids we want to highlight. You know, we're not gonna just go after the junior podine types of kids. Tell me about the the Elliot Christopher kid who was on your first ever Bantam B two team. Walk me through the story of of. Nicknames and how how he brought his nickname to the to the rink that day. Well, he uh, him and his teammates decided that everybody should have a nickname. I'm like, all right, I think it's a great idea, you know. So they all came up with their nicknames, and I gave them a couple of days to think about it if they need to. So we had practice one night, and I'm at the bottom of the ramp at the at the rink, and uh, he comes walking in, and he goes, "Coach," I'm like, "Yeah, Elliot." I've got my nickname. Uh, oh, yeah, what is it? He goes, the mailman, because I'm going to deliver. <laughs> and I just I started laughing. It was awesome. I couldn't. How could you not laugh? Did he deliver? He tried, yeah. He did. He did his best. How was your first team? Do you look back on that and go, man, I could have been better, or, it was a, or was it just a magical season? Uh, it was... The memories were there. Um, we struggled. But in year two, we did two years of the Bantam B2s. So year two, we pretty much had the same kids with a few additions the second year. We actually won the Anoka tournament beating Wyzetta and Maple Grove on Sunday, championship Sunday, to win a tournament, which was an unbelievable feat for that group of kids. Yeah, that's Because I don't cool. think any of them had really played above b2 hockey so they were either c kids or b2 kids always growing up so and they never really won growing up so here they are and they're probably their last year and a lot of those kids you had for two years probably pretty rewarding yeah so how did you go from bantam b2s in 14 to squirt a's how did that transition develop at this point you're you've been working at the rink for 12 years yeah. you kind of own the place you <laughs> kind of own the association too by this point like i'll coach i get the impression when i'm at st louis park like you kind of just wave your magic wand and things happen well you're too nice but so now you get the score at a job why score is what what happened what was the transition the uh president at the time felt there was a need for more development at the squirt level, and I had coached with uh, uh, Steve Rosine okay. uh, on the girls' side um, with our daughters playing, and he was the president of the association at the time, 
And he goes, Bob, I need you to go down to squirts. So that's how that came about. And I said, all right, let's do it. And now this is the team. Now, did you keep the staff together? Was it Britt and, and Brandon coaching? Yeah, pretty much. It was me and the kids. And then, uh, you know, so I, we stayed there for four years. And At this point, they're still living with you, right? So it's like oh, yeah. you don't ever get away. No, and that's that's a hot topic in our house during the hockey season. My wife just reiterated it, you know. What did she say? It's got to stay at the rink. You can't bring it home. <laughs> when you're at the rink, he's a coach. He's not your dad. They're not your kids. They're coaches. Right. So, because we've, we've had some riffs in the past, which have been brought home, and she's like, no more. I love it. So she's kind of like the referee, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, she put the. She wears on. stripes sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With the orange band. Yeah, she probably needs to. All right, so you coached Squirt Ace for four years. I think that that career kind of culminates in 2018. You got you take this ragtag, and I mean ragtag because it's, you guys don't have the prettiest uniforms. Uh, a lot of these kids aren't super elite hockey players. They're kind of just learning the game. Right. And it kind of all kind of comes together during the Squirtacular. You win five games. I think it is. It ends up being the sixth game. You win five games to three in pool play and two and two quarters and some. Yeah, five games, and now you get to the to the championship of the Squirtacular. Walk through what your brain was doing that week of the Squirtacular. I was numb, actually. Really? Oh yeah, because I, I knew it was a good opportunity for the kids, and they worked and. Uh, and you had a lot of these kids for more than one year. Like a lot of them, like yeah, I think junior was like two or three years, well, right? Junior was on all four of those teams. Yeah. And then the last two, there was a core group of Jack Betzer, Paul Anderson, Max right. Ryder. Ryder, yeah. And I hope I'm not forgetting anybody else. It was a pretty special team. Right. And they knew each, you could just tell they knew each other really well out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. They started out in mites. I think they were doing double dipping between the association. And Minnesota made probably. Yeah. yeah. So that's that core group did that for I think one or two years at the mite level. So that kind of gave them a little bit ahead on some of the other kids in park. Skill development. Right. Yes. So that also enabled them to stay together as a core. So they've been basically since 17 those four or five kids have been on on my squad all the way up yeah yep uh so uh you guys uh get to the championship game what are you saying i forgot okay i don't want to forget this one henry schultz is in that yes i forgot about henry henry i'm sorry Well, when you're line listing, and you said you weren't a great interview, so you, you're going to forget some things. We'll, we'll give you some help here. I didn't get your last name right right off the, right out of the gate, so we're we're not perfect. Um, so walk through. You guys lose the championship game. Was it a hard locker room when you yeah. guys lost that? Because I it took me forever to get Junior just to give me a. He was named the MVP yeah. of the tournament. What were you thinking when we named him the MVP? I was, I was actually shocked. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was surprised because normally that doesn't go to somebody on the losing side. Yeah, I was kind of a thud when I when I gave the announcement because you know you still want the champ. You know, like right. they they just won and and um, 
we looked at each other. It's it's not rocket science. Right. Peter, Todd, and I look at each other, and we're like, yeah, we got to do it. Right. It's Junior's trophy. That's his. He was the best kid in this tournament. St. Louis Park wouldn't have been here without him, and and uh, he was pretty upset uh, right. after, the, after the tournament. But I remember his mom, Sherry, came up. She goes, this was by far – the best hockey experience this kid has had being right. here this week. And, and I actually, I, I was choked up. I couldn't even talk. I couldn't go in the locker room and talk to the kids. Yeah, it was a pretty cool tournament. That's for sure. Yep. Some great memories. Um, so you, you, you continue on, you move up to peewees with these, with this group of kids. Um, and this year you had another great season. Um, the game I'll, I, again, I put, I've seen a lot of hockey games. I'm not trying to act like a grandpa here, but I've seen a lot of games in my day. But I have never seen a game quite like the Shakopee game. Was that the that was the Founders Cup, right? Correct. Because they both both played in the Pumpkin and both played in in the uh, Founders Cup. So it's in the Founders Cup. Thirteen goals were scored in one net, which I've never seen. And I think they had a six to one, five to nothing lead. Thank you. Um, so you were in running time. Yeah, before had, the first period even ended, we were in running time. You were in running time in the first period. It was it after the first period was the meeting? Yeah. Yeah. Well, leading up to that, when they got their fifth goal, the the scorekeepers kept the clock running. Yes. So when the skate uh, the ref came by, we said, "Hey, that's supposed to stop until the drop of the puck." Correct. Yes. So we made the comment to the uh, Carl, my assistant coach, made the comment to the ref. And they, he kind of played it off like, you really want us to stop the clock? It's 5 nothing." And Carl's like, yeah, we're playing a game here. Yeah. I was saying it in the booth. I'm like, they got to go redo the clock because I knew – I didn't think you guys would win the game. Don't get, don't take it right. off. It's five rip. Well, You're not right. coming back, right? But Who I, did? but I thought for sure you could at some point jimmy this game to get the clock to stop and make it more like a seven to four type of game. That's kind of what I was thinking. Yep. So they end up stopping the clock, and they got it fixed. So the period ends. We're down five rip. So starting the second period, we are running time. Yes. So I'm like, we need a goal right away, and. uh we ended up getting one, I think, like a minute, minute and a half into the period. So clock so stops, stops now. The clock's going to stop on whistles. Yep. So the kids just, well, leading up to that, um, after the period, I'm like, Junior was the captain and the leader of the squad and basically said, Junior, go to the corner and you guys figure this out because they were not playing very well. And I don't know if this made it to the broadcast because this same broadcast like bit the dust because of YouTube went down during the broadcast, which happens occasionally. But I told my camera guy, I go, you get that camera down to that corner right, right now because I got to get you viewing this thing. Don't go to a commercial break. I don't care about the sponsors. I want you to get down there because it's such a neat thing. Here's this kid. He's about two feet tall, and he's standing over these kids. It was just a really cool picture to see. Um, I didn't think it was going to do a darn thing, but was I ever wrong? Um, did you guys score six goals in yeah. the second period? Believe it or not, we scored six in the second to lead 6-5 <laughs> after two. <laughs> and then only one goal in the third period, right. and it was late too, um, wasn't it? Yes. and uh, To tie it, they right, tied it. It was a power play goal. Late. Yes, They got late. a power play late, and they ended up scoring. So they tie it 6-6. Six to six. 
This is where this gets really funny. Uh, and then I think they don't switch sides. Maybe in USA they don't switch sides or something. But I know that they were end up going yeah, the right. same direction in the third period. And it's three on three. Uh, it's a three on three power, uh, three on three game. Um, and I know you can remember this because I remember it like it was ten minutes ago. There were three St. Louis Park players within two feet of the goal, and a fan. Was it a fan shot in front of the net? No, actually, what it was was um, I think one of their better players, and I can't remember if it was Baumgartner or not. Yeah. Um, uh, whoever scored the winner. I don't even know who scored the winner, but I know that it, he it was went late. From a- he was late getting back in the play. We had a three-on-two. Junior was the trailer. He got the drop pass right in the slot. And I and I don't know if he fanned or I think it hopped his stick. Yeah, it might have hopped his stick, and he goes back on a breakaway and scores. It will. It literally just to paint the picture. It looked like a three on a three on one north turned into a three on zero south right. within about a split second, and it was just that's hockey. Yep. And the kid goes down on a breakaway, and there were. St. Louis Park players, even on camera, I don't think, when the goal went in because they right. were so far behind the plate. All their momentum had went one direction and theirs went the other, and the game was over 7-6, to six, all 13 goals into one rink and yeah. one net. It's something you'll never see before. It's just, it was uh, fascinating. When you leave the rink that day, what are you thinking as a coach? I'm like, they battled. They did not quit. I was proud. You know, it's, it's what you want. Yeah, it really is. And when you're talking about all the, the, the three foundations that you were talking about, right. lasting memories. Yeah, life lessons. To, to this day, there's a lasting memory with those kids. Yeah. I still I see a lot of these kids in the off season, and and they'll they'll come up to me and go, "Do you remember that game?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's one I'll never forget." You know, even in a, even on, someone's got to be the loser on that flip of a well, coin because right. it could have been the other way. Yeah, you know, with that three on one, it could have been the other way too. So, it was a pretty special. game game um one thing that i do you have anything else you want to add about coaching i think the cool thing is coaching with your kids coaching with your brother it's such a family affair whenever i see you at the coaching jacket i'm like okay what's he gonna drag in today which whichever's is gonna be in the building today just the other thing i want to hit just part of giving the kids memories is um one of brandon's peewee coaches uh justin back in the day he took his coaching money and bought the kids' jerseys. So when St. Louis Park merged with Southwest back in the day for a few years, yep. he went out and bought the kids. This was a Pee Wee B1 team, red jerseys that represented the Russians. Yeah. And he put SSLP on the front. <laughs> Southwest St. Louis, Louis Park? Park. Yeah. Yes. The kids loved it. Yeah. So now I've kind of taken his lead and i think three of the last four years we've done jerseys for the kids this year's edition was the baltimore oriole i call it because yeah. it was all orange and it had the oriole obviously the the uh, st louis park oriole but it just looked kind of like a baltimore oriole jersey it was a pretty cool addition yeah. how did you come up with that concept um well the first one we did was a takeoff of the king's logo i put the bird on the bottom of the shield versus okay. the intertwined slp yeah which with everybody's accustomed to yep and then the uh, following year i did the rangers logo with the st louis park you know on it with the shield and then uh this past year i'm like we got to get the bird on there it was a great bird yeah and you hand those out at the pumpkin 
Yes. First day, right? No, not pumpkin. It was Founders Cup. Founders Cup. They just showed up all of a sudden. Yeah. You were pretty excited. You were Lily. It was almost like Christmas Day for you yeah. that day. I remember being in the locker room when the kids got the uniforms. I wasn't sure because those two tournaments kind of right. merged together because yep. they're in the same building. Yeah. And actually, one of the kids, uh, Paul Anderson, called it. He said he, when he was walking in the room, he was the last one in the room, and he had told the kids, we're getting jerseys today. Really? Yeah, he figured it out. Because what was what? How did he, what what tipped him off? Because I've done it in the past. Oh, got it, got it, got you it. You know, surprise them because that's how we surprise them when they're out doing their pregame warmups. We'll set up the jersey. I was the in there. Yeah, I was in there with you. I got a little video of the boys doing that. Just the yep. the, the looks on their faces when they get the jerseys. It's kind of priceless. Yep. All right. So one of the main reasons, the reason I thought of having you on this show was. Uh, I was thinking about different aspects of the game. We've had broadcasters on the game. We've had uh, hockey coaches, hockey legends. We've had a lot of different people in the hockey rule. I said, I'd love to get the Zamboni driver on here. And the first guy I thought of was you because I knew you could talk about it. You know, some Zamboni drivers are a little bit off. They're almost like goalies in a way, right? Yeah. Right? So I go, well, Bob could do this. He can help us with this process. And you're coming up on your 20 year. Do you get a medallion for driving a Zamboni for 20 years yeah, or a gold get a, watch or a, something? We get a pin every five years. Okay, so you're going to get another pin. You got a pin and coming a up here. Yeah, pin and a plaque. You're going to get a pin and a plaque here pretty soon. Um, so let's first talk about the actual making of the ice itself. Um, the machine itself, I had, you had to literally explain to me pre show how it all works um, without doing a, a YouTube video. Um, the big machine there, there's a lot of things about the machine that people, I want our viewers to understand, our listeners to understand, is the the machine has a battery in it. It's not a, it's not a, a motorized vehicle that, from that perspective. It doesn't, right. have a, it doesn't have a gas engine. Correct. So the fumes that people complain about in the arena, they aren't coming from the Zamboni. If they are, what is the fume from? Um, some rinks still have propane or natural gas. Okay. So they are still running a combustible engine. Okay. So they still may be getting the fumes, but I think most rinks are now going towards the battery. Operated yes, machines. Zero emissions. Right. Um, is there something to do with the, with, uh, the Freon now in the arenas that the making that the, the, the rinks to change? Yes. They are going to, they, there's. I think they'll stop making the Freon either this year or next year. And that's bad for our health, apparently? Uh, the environment. The apparently, in- it burns holes into the ozone. Okay. So, they're doing a different freezing system? Yes. We actually changed ours over back in 2016 okay. with the addition of the uh, outdoor rink. So, we redid the, the west rink and the east rink floors. At the same time you At built the, the rock. Yep. And then they did, uh, we went to ammonia. Okay. And that's good for the environment, apparently? Yeah. Or it, not it, as won't, bad. it won't deplete anything. And, uh, you know, Freon at the time was 18 to 20 bucks a pound. Yep. And our West refrigeration was a direct system, so it had five to 6,000 pounds of Freon in it. Okay, got it. So can you imagine filling that up? Yeah, it's expensive. Yeah. And then, so ammonia is basically back, I don't know what it is today, but it it's like a dollar to $2 it's a cheaper. pound. Cheaper. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
let's talk about uh so, so the machine itself it's 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 bad most are battery operated uh zamboni is the brand of choice that's the people call it but there are actually different brands olympia is a brand are there any other brands of ice resurfacers out there there are and i cannot think of their names okay i think uh engo I've never like, seen. I've only seen Olympia. Whenever I see yeah. Olympia, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like a Yugo. Like, yeah. oh, it's rare. Like, whoa, they don't. They still make those yeah. things. And I think uh, Europe has developed their own machines over there that are different. Yeah. Um, I want to get to th- how the thing works next, but you said something to me right when we walked in. You, we were talking about. She goes, "You can't see." Yeah, it's, you can't see ahead of yourself. Right. So everything is guided by left and right. Right. You look to your right to see where the the line is going when, and to the left. And obviously, along the boards is pretty easy because right. you just don't run into the boards when you do it, and you have a little guide along the boards. But when you're going down the middle, it's all basically you're looking ahead. Maybe do you have something a a a line? The, maybe there's a there's a cheat that people some people put like electrical tape where they need to line it up with the dirty ice and the old ice. Yep. So that gives them their mark on where they need to be. Okay. And you can't see over the machine, right? Because no. that's where the that's where all the snow is getting thrown into, correct? Right. Uh, now, that's the part I want to walk through. So I never really understood these augers. The augers down there, the, the ones that are t- twirling, right? Horizontal. Horizontal augers that are twirling, those are not touching the ice those are moving the ice from the scraper into the bed they get shoots out in the olden days there would be this remember there was like a dolly system like yeah yeah, it would would rotate and it would throw the the ice up you don't see that anymore um and here's the question do you do you use hot water or cold water and why do you use what uh temperature of water we use cold water with the wash water and hot water for the ice making Okay, you just said something there. I had no idea what you were talking about. What does wash water mean? Wash water is actually we are washing the ice before we scrape it. And then that. You totally lost me there. So, what now? Is there two different types of yes. systems going on yep. at the same time? Yep. And the wash water uh, actually gets recycled back up into the machine. So, there's a pump underneath the, the conditioner that's sucking that water so back up. So, there are up. two forms of water going on the ice? Yep. So, also, when, when that blade is scraping, it's creating that snow. Yep. So that wash water is actually washing the ice, but it's also creating slush. So when the squeegee comes across skate marks, yep, it fills in cut marks as well. Okay. So it actually creates the wash water creates washes it and creates slush for you to kind of fill in those. And then is there are the hot water is on the and the, the hot end? water is what everybody sees on the back end. Yeah. Now the hot water, uh, what temperature is hot? Uh, we try to run it at 140. Really? Yep. Okay, so it's less, not less boiling. It's not boiling, no. though. No. Okay, all right, but it is pretty warm water. Okay, all right. Um, when, how long does it take you to resurface a sheet of ice? Well, if I'm in a hurry and going to need to get it done because somebody forgot the what time you needed to make ice, right? you can do it and Seven minutes. Really? Which you don't want to make a habit of it because you make bad ice. Bad ice. Okay. Um, so I think ultimately you want, I think I try to do it in around 12 minutes. All right. And and literally part of the making process, 
uh, and we're going to get to this in greater detail in a second, but the part of the making process is uh, also included in that 15, you know, the, the, the dubious 15 minutes is, is scraping the snow off the ice, um, watering, getting, getting the snow off of the watering area, shutting the gates, right. squeegeeing the water. I mean, there's a lot of extra little details that go into this. And the reason I bring it up is you, you have to do all of these things within 15 minutes. Correct. Because you got a customer that's waiting and they don't want it. They've been, they've been waiting to get on the ice now for 10 or 15 minutes, which seems like for a little for, kid for like an hour, right? right? Um, do you think that uh, the, the, I want to go back to the door shutting. You're under the gun, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, I feel sorry for the guys that have to do it in 10 minutes. Yeah, so do I. I'm like, how do you do it, right? They they basically rush through the right. process, and get it, it through. Uh, okay, so now let's get to the the crux of it. So the 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 you got two different. You got a lot of pressure here because you got a you got a customer. Ninety nine percent of the time, you got a customer on the back end who's who's renting renting or rented the ice, and you got to get off the ice. So you you got to get off the ice in fifteen minutes. Um, but there's the there's the there's the dubious moment when someone comes onto the ice. Before you've shut the gate, right? What do you do then? What I do is, if they're out there before I even get to the shovel, is I just shut the gate and let them skate with the the mess I left out there. Every I, time, or if it's a repeat offender, more likely a repeat offender. The first time, I'll say something. Hey, you know, make sure you wait till the gates are closed because this is not for your safety. This is for mine. You know, because if I'm out there shoveling or squeegeeing, you know, you shoot a puck and it comes and hits me. Or you lose an edge and take me out from behind, I'm going to hit my head. Yeah, yeah. So do you? Here's a question, and maybe it's just my kids uh, that I've coached and or I've been involved in. We're pretty well trained. Would you say this is tr- a true statement? At least the people in Minnesota are pretty well trained not to go on the ice until they hear that big, huge door slam shut. Most people, yes. Right? Would yes. you say that's in the 90%, 95%? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it, you know what I find it is when I'm outside driving at a rock, outside arena, is people tend to forget that rule. When you get outside, right? Yeah. They think it, that rule doesn't apply for some reason. Why is that? I don't know. Maybe because you're just outside and you're in a park setting. You're not inside the building. I, I, There's I don't no know. rules out yeah, there or something? Exactly. I'm like, guys, the rule still applies out here. All right. So um, we'll, we'll get to that. I want to get to the rock in just a second. There's a lot of little things about the rock which I'm, which are intriguing. Um, so getting the closed door. How about the guy? This is the one. It drives me crazy, and I don't even work at a rink. It's the guy that, um, you know, we'll call him the Herb Brooks, the guy who's going to run his practice. You're done at 1 o'clock, and he's not even going to get off until you basically back the Zamboni up onto the rink and start honking the horn. Yeah. How many of that is that pretty? Is that as rare as the kid jumping on the ice too early? Yeah, you know what? I see it more like the high school coaches maybe ask for a few more minutes, right? And more than the youth coaches. Yes, you know you'll get some youth coaches, and you know what? I don't have an issue if it's a minute because I can make up that time, right? But like uh, on the high school side of it, if a, if the varsity coach wants to take five, ten extra minutes from the JV program. That's following the next hour. Yep, I have no problem. Right, because they're, they're done. At, they're going to be done at six o'clock, regardless of what time you're done. Yep, 
because you need to get the peewees or right. the girls on yep. the ice, right? Yep. Um, okay. So, uh, have you had any experiences with guys that uh, that do so, and, and and how do you fight it? Like you talked about leaving the snow on the ice for the repeat offender. What do you do when the guys just don't get off the ice? Uh, it, do you just get out there and start honking the horn? Yeah, I just lay on the horn until they get the picture. Yeah, does that happen very often? Not no more. <laughs> it used to, uh, but if if it happens to them once, then you know if I hit the horn, then they'll 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 they get the picture. And how many? Uh, if there are in an average week, let's just say December first through December seventh, in an average week, I don't even know how many zams that is. How many are you doing versus staff members at St. Louis Park? Um, I'm working day shift hours, so I might do one, two a day. Oh, that's it. Yeah. So, um, weekends, you know, we're, we're busy from, you know, six or six thirty. Yep. Seven o'clock till, till 10. 11. Yeah. 11, 15. Okay. So you're doing more on the weekend. You're doing more resurfacing on the weekends, yeah. but not much during the weekday. Right. Yes. Okay. Uh, how many times do you think you've resurfaced a sheet ice? Couldn't even tell you. <laughs> a thousand? Well, it's probably more than that. Right? Okay. Five thousand? Well, twenty years if you uh, I don't know, average It's a lot. Uh let's see if I do I don't know, maybe ten a week. Yeah. I don't know. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Um, okay, so at a, you get into a situation at, at St. Louis Park Rec Center, you've seen a lot of uh, you know, holiday tournaments for high school hockey. Is that a different time of year for you? Because the building is so much more full and so much crazier? Or is just is it just, are you used to just being crazy all the time there? Yeah, when uh, the, we first started doing the holiday tournament, it was a kind of a shock because it was, it started at 8 a.m. with the JV. Right. On the East Rink. And varsity started at noon on the West. So we had, you know, one or two games that were doubled going right. back to back at the same time. And then, you know, noon those noon games on the varsity side, four of them would you know, they're you know, nine, nine thirty, ten o'clock. So yeah. it's it's a day. I remember not being able to leave the Zamboni room from the start of my when the game started till I left. Really? Yeah, because we were back and forth making ice tipping nets. It's crazy. We only had a couple guys working. We run our uh, prior, very similar t- tournament, same time of the year, almost virtually uh, on top of each other. And my recollection of working with the guys at, at Prior Lake is it's really hard on their building on the ice to have yeah. four f- varsity hockey games on a sheet for three straight days. Yeah. Do you guys run into the same problem? Well, yeah. You know what a building looks like after one high school game. <laughs> not just that. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking yeah. about the, just the sheet of yeah. ice itself. It's yeah, it, really hard on it. Yeah. it you got you to gotta know what you're doing. Otherwise, you're going to be down the concrete in no time. We that was. I, I'm always trying to work with the guys at Prior Lake as to, hey, do we need a two-hour break in the middle of the day? We can start at 11. We can start here. We can do some things. If we want to – the ice is a you know, very important part of it. Uh, how do you push back with the organizers of that holly tournament to make sure they're getting also getting a good product, good ice? Well, I think what helps is uh, we actually bought – when we did the renovation on the, the two indoor rinks, we put in a RO system. So it's taking out the minerals. Right, it's, it's making a harder sheet, faster sheet, and 
within the last year, we've bought in two new Zambonis with the laser level on them. Mm-hmm. So it's drops the conditioner and drive. The laser does all the adjustment of the blade. So we're trying to keep anywhere from an inch to an inch and a quarter of ice out on the rink. Right. So with that laser level, you're, you know you're not going to hit concrete. Right. Um, okay, so let's go through the rock here. This is a, a brand new outdoor facility. Uh, someone, some, someone of magical powers got this thing pulled off. You have a beautiful setting there. It's also uh, a multi-use uh, in the summer. You can use it. Do you use it for roller hockey? No, actually what we do when we take... I know it's weddings, but I yeah. want to see if there's any athletics going on in there, yeah, too. Yeah, so once we pull ice, usually mid-March, yep. um, we put turf down, field turf, and then soccer, lacrosse, baseball can get out onto the field and start doing a little stuff before the fields are ready. So I'm sure it's very popular for yes. that time of year, from March to March 15th to May 1st, maybe? Yeah, mid-May or whatever it is. Yep. And then... Uh, then we take everything down, the rink, the glass, everything comes out, and it's just open space for. Oh, so the rink, the boards aren't there when you're having a wedding or something no. like that. It's completely. They yeah. use the bleachers there. Do you have a lot of weddings there? Uh, we've had a few. Not a lot. Not a lot. Um, which then leads me to this: the whole the, the whole facility there. It's a community center, but it's not like it wasn't built. To be as popular and mass used, I think when we when we were kids back in the seventies, eighties, it was not as popular of a place. It, right. It's so consumed. We run the Bantam Elite League there every year, and it just fascinates me that there are families, tribes of people walking in with their towels and their flip flops to go out to a seventy-five to ninety-five degree pool experience, and literally ten feet away is a hockey game of elite hockey players, any hockey players. It doesn't matter if they're elite or not. But you know what I mean? It's, a, it's an amazing culture that's happening right in your lobby. How do you deal with that? Well, it, uh, it's tough at times, especially if you just get off the machine making ice. You know, you're sitting in 50-degree temperature. Temp. Yeah. yeah. Now, something happened out at the pool. you got to walk outside, and it might be 95 degrees. So that's a 45-degree swing just like that. So you got to – when you leave for the office in the morning, how do you dress for that? I mean, because it's not easy. Like, okay, i got to go shorts and a sweatshirt, maybe a T-shirt underneath the sweatshirt, and just pray that that's going to be good enough? Yeah, summertime I usually wear shorts. Yeah. And then uh, a hooded sweatshirt when I drive. Right, and then just take the hooded sweatshirt off after I drive, then you're good. Yeah, it's it's, but in the winter it's different. Yep. Um, is the do you get uh, uh, because hockey people are different than pool people? Do you ever get a clash of cultures there? Or is it just they kind of deal do their own thing? Well, they do their own thing. They don't. There's usually no problems. They don't clash really. Yeah, I'm just curious. I I've just wondered if there a lot was of, ever a lot of times if the, what, the kids get off the rink, they'll go right out to the pool. Yeah, I'm sure that's the case. Yeah, um, you said something before the show that was interesting. Is your uh, because in the in the winter everyone's in school, fall, winter, everyone's in school, right? right. So um, you guys are probably doing a lot of maintenance, painting, upkeep kind of thing. But in the summer, it's just like all hell breaks oh, loose yeah. from We're- June first to. 
September 1st, I bet those are the busiest three months of your life. Yeah, I mean, we're, there's no time. I mean, we're busy from 7 o'clock in the morning till 11 o'clock at night with ice rentals in the pool. You, they were hurting. It's like hurting cats. Like so, you have guaranteed. You have guaranteed rentals automatically, just in a regular non-COVID. You have probably St. Louis Park and Benilde's, boys, girls, all that, all right. that STP stuff that's guaranteed a uh, business. You probably have a bunch of people that are using the rock for for maybe dry land training or things like. So you got that moving parts, and then you have the pool. Right. You have concessions. I bet it's just an absolute. Uh, you know, Chinese fire drill out there. Exactly. I mean, it's it makes the day go fast because you're always running around. Yeah. And not not much, not much flooring gets uh, under the shoes. You know, sitting around. You know, that's true. So yeah, it's 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 a constant. You know, you're always moving. You're busy. You're you're dealing with people, whether it's in the arena or the pool. Not to mention, it might be. A Friday night, and you have a wedding up in the banquet room. So now you got another set of hundred people coming into the building. Yeah, you know it's funny. I had I before the show we were talking about. I said, you know, I have one complaint about the rec center. And what did you say? I don't remember. You said parking. Oh, parking. Yes. I just kind of gotten used to that being, you know, it's it's like a it's like that's a bad part of that arena. It's, you know, just get used to it. You're gonna go to St. Louis Park any time of year. It's you're gonna have a hard time right. finding a place to park. My biggest complaint now, you laugh me off, and you should, um, is the photography. It's harder to shoot in that in those rinks because there's the glass is super high, and it's it's difficult to get right. access to the, to that clear shot. And and obviously you have the windows which present glare issues for us photographers. Right. And it's just not the best rink in the world to shoot in, but there aren't a lot of hockey rinks that are super ideal to shoot in. It's just not a great, it's just not a great sport. And and plus the skaters are, you know, they're skating 15, 20 miles an hour the whole time. So it's just, just not an easy job is getting good pictures. So when you, I just say this, if you see some good pictures out there, be thankful for them because they're not, it's not an easy thing to get those pictures. Just like you, it's not an easy thing to make perfect ice. Right. Did you ever do you ever think sometimes this is the last question I'm going to ask you about the, the the Zamboni driver and all this. I grew up playing hockey outside. A lot of it was outside. You know, playing inside was where we played our games. Um and you know, we would shovel off the rink and then every time after practice and then sometimes they would flood the rink and do all this stuff and and it wasn't perfect, but it was good enough. Right. Do you ever laugh does it ever because we're very similar do you ever kind of chuckle when people say yeah i was at st louis park and the ice there was terrible right compared to what you actually the way the game was really invented to play outside with a bunch of wood boards going in in a in an oval area like now it's so good and so perfect and still people complain about it yeah and you know what that's funny because there's sometimes if i I don't know if I should say this, but if there's a group I know that I've had issues with, you may not give them the perfect sheet. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? How do you not make a perfect sheet? Well, you can maybe instead of using hot water, you use cold oh, water. Oh, nice. And if you don't shave as much, yeah, that cold water turns that slush into uh, hard gravel. <laughs> And frozen ice chunks on the ice. No, you wouldn't do that to a, a association with no. green and gold, would you? No. You would never do no. that, would you? 
Never, 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 never. Oh, well, this has been a fun hour or so with you, Bob. Uh, I really enjoyed our time learning about your life, blah, your hockey playing life, your your coaching life, your hockey dad life, and, and obviously your life as a Zamboni driver. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you spending a bunch of time with us here today learning about you and uh, a little bit about St. Louis Park Hockey, about the rec center, and kind of your life. Appreciate you coming out. Well, I appreciate you having me. It was uh, it was fun. I was a little nervous at first because, I'm, like I said, uh, not very good at speaking, so that's one of my fears. But uh, I think we uh, it helped me conquer a little bit of it today. I we, appreciate it. We Thanks. definitely knocked it out of the park today. Uh, as part of today's show, Bob will get a gift from the Minnesotan sent to him. Thanks to the Minnesota again for their sponsorship of the pod. Make sure you stop in and check it out and jump online and enter the code TRADITION for free shipping for all YHH listeners. Thanks for tuning in. We hope to see you around the rink soon.